Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Voices from the Mausoleum. In today's episode, I am doing an artist interview with Neil Ock. Um, I found Neil because I follow Joshua Marcella on Twitter, and he did uh, one of his photos was used for one of Josh's books, Hunger for Death. And so I started following him and seeing the things that he was posting and I thought it was really funny and interesting and neat. So, and he was kind enough to want to spend time and chat with me for a little bit. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's, uh, thank you for having me. Thank, thanks. For, oh yeah. Uh, the show. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this. I'm, um, yeah, I'm pumped. I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's, it's really hard to schedule stuff like this, um, in general. So I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So yeah, let's just, um, just give me like a, you know, like a brief introduction to, you know, what your art form is, what it is that you do. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm a photographer primarily. I do a little, I do a lot of writing sort of in connection with, uh, the art, although I guess I, I am primarily a visual artist. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if I had to sort of give you like a, a the, the one sentence kind of elevator pitch that I usually give people yeah. is that essentially what I'm doing is I'm trying to recreate like 17th century Dutch still life. Mm -hmm. uh, I appropriate pretty much everything I can from that genre. I borrow a lot of the aesthetics, the iconography, and my work is very much informed by like the, the philosophical ideas that underpin those paintings. Okay. Uh, but sort of the, the big idea, the, the, what I'm bringing to the table that's somewhat new, I guess, is that I'm trying to filter that through sort of a more edgy, uh, confrontational sort of horror fan informed lens. So the, I, yeah. I guess to keep it as, the, the shortest version I can think of is, you know, Dutch, 17th century Dutch still life, but with a lot okay. more gore, basically is. Yeah, okay. Kind of what I'm going for. Yeah. Um, was Josh's, uh, like using your photography for his cover, was that the first time you had done anything for a book cover? I've done now three book covers. Oh, okay. The most recent one that came out was uh, Anderson Prontian CV Hunt, a uh, book called okay. Meat Photo. Uh, oh. Interestingly, that was actually the first image that I licensed, and I think it's about like four years old now. So oh. it, it had a very long and complicated history until it <laughs> finally made it out into the world but that just came out uh three or two or three days ago i think oh okay um i did the the image with josh was actually the third one that i did and i did a cover for a book called the mud ballad by joe quinnell i'm sure i'm mispronouncing the last name there apologies apologies to joe i have no idea how that's meant to be said quinnell yeah. or, or but anyway yeah i so i've done three now um I'm open to doing more. It's it's been a lot of fun, but that was sort of that was that was what got me onto Twitter, and that was what sort of got me bubbled in with horror writers. And then it's been a lot of fun because I've I've sort of had a hard time. What I do is a little weird and a little niche, and I've had a hard time kind of finding the audience that it connects to. And sure. yeah. horror writers seem to be uh, a big part of that audience, so that's been, yeah. that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, the um, the kind of indie horror world was a big boost for me as well. I've I've technically had the channel for a year, but I you know I I started following um, Josh on Twitter like I don't know just not that long ago, maybe four or five months ago, and mm. I thought okay, well I wanted to do um, some and in, some other interviews and meet some other people and start engaging more. So I'd reached out about doing a video. He said yes. And then it kind of like from there, I just started meeting a lot of other people. And mm -hmm. the the like indie horror writing world has been like a very big part of my community yeah. and a huge, huge influence on and a part of my growth in the last like three months. So yeah, they're pretty great. I can I can definitely see uh, like them all being very like pumped about <laughs> what you do. They're, yeah, they're, it's a really fascinating community. And I spent yeah. a long time sort of, trying to fit myself into the niche of what's sort of called dark art online and yeah. not find it like I could probably write a book at this stage with things that I think are a little off about that community uh -huh. um, but maybe I won't go, I won't go <laughs> but yeah. just just to say that the level of difference and how much better and more supportive Mm -hmm. and cooler and more progressive and just more interesting and thoughtful the people are in like the indie horror scene it's mm -hmm. it's like night and day it's really a, a, 
it's an amazing group of people from what I've seen yeah. anyway. It, they all seem really cool and there's a whole network and they all seem know. thoughtful and supportive. Yeah, the support has been a big one. And I've, I think I think it's like everybody I've talked to feels the same way. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like it's just this like small group, you know, and then like everyone else sucks. It's like I feel <laughs> like it's it's a really common experience. That's a really good thing. It definitely makes you feel like you have a little bit of a place in it all. It's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you had to say kind of other than the, the Dutch part of it, like what other, if you were trying to explain the type of themes that are in your, your photos and what you do, like what other things would you tell people to kind of expect if they were coming to look at your art for the first or see your pictures yeah. for the first time or. Yeah. You know. I, I, I think maybe it's useful to give a bit of a, of a, background on what, sure. what's going into the, those sort of Dutch paintings to kind of explain what I'm riffing on, I think maybe. Sure, um, yeah. So the, you know, I th just so everyone knows what I'm talking about, I'm, when I'm talking about 17th century Dutch still life, I'm thinking of, you know, when you go to the museum and you go to the boring section of the museum and there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures of like late breakfast tables and fruit baskets and, and, fruits, yeah. and, and just yeah. iterated over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, and that stuff, there, there's a tendency to look at it from a, from a contemporary perspective and think, oh, that's really quaint. Isn't that cute? Like pretty flowers, sure. pretty fruit. Um, yeah. But if, if you really dig into it, the, the what underpins these paintings is, is often quite grim. Like yeah. even when you're just looking at a floral bouquet, okay, it's pretty flowers, but th there's an implication there that the flowers will not last very long. They'll, they'll right. fade. And if we sit with this a little bit longer, I think there's an implication that, you know, life is very much like the flowers. It's mm -hmm. there, there's in some sense, there's a, a lament about the brevity of life mm -hmm. and how short lived beautiful things are. Yeah. And in, in case you think I'm stretching here, this this idea is like explicitly biblical. This is mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the audiences for these would have been mostly uh, Protestant and Catholic. And this is in the book of Job. There's uh, man comes forth as a flower and is cut down. And in the prophet Isaiah, there's uh, all flesh is grass and all its beauty is like yeah. grass. The yeah. grass withers and the flower fades. So this this analogy between the, the beauty of the flower or the fruit and the, the short-lived beauty of life is 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 it's not reaching. It, it really is embedded. Right these works and as you dig you know as you move through these boring part of the museum you'll see this being made more and more explicit sometimes the flowers are put next to skulls sometimes you have extinguished candles often yeah. on laid breakfast tables you will see like a stop uh, a pocket watch in there you know no one eats breakfast with a pocket watch sitting next sure. to the bread and the cheese that that's supposed to remind you that these things are time is passing these things will not be there for very long yeah so this sort of baked into the history of still life is this idea that it's about death, it's about decay, it's about the, the, the brevity of life and the transience of all beautiful things. So on, on, the problem is, though, when we look at it from contemporary eyes, we don't see the sort of the death haunted part of this. Right. We see pretty flowers, because nowadays when people paint flower bouquets, mostly they just mean like, Look at these nice flowers, mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. But but the the sort of the the iteration on still life that I'm trying to do is to take this same sort of philosophy, this idea of of meditating on the shortness of life, of mm -hmm. thinking about transience, and make it a lot more in your face and a lot more sort of obvious to an audience who, mm -hmm. you know, we grew up with with Saw and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and and torture porn sure. and stuff. Right? Sure. It, yeah. It's not enough to put a wilted flower to have that really come through. To the mo uh, yeah. To yeah. a contemporary audience. So yeah. To to be, I guess, to describe it to someone who hasn't seen it, it what I'm doing are arrangements very much inspired by these like Dutch breakfast tables, but then with with gore, with um, bones, with mummified uh, animals, mm -hmm. with human teeth, with more explicit sort of heavy-handed um, yeah. symbols of death and mortality. And a lot of these also actually were in those classical paintings. There are skulls, there are human remains. Sure, right. There were a lot of uh, classical paintings of game and, and 
butcher butcher scenes and stuff. So yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just kind of a it's an update where I try to keep the the philosophy and the aesthetics, but I try and sort of wash it over with kind of a horror movie, Texas Chainsaw kind of vibe. Yeah, almost like something you would see in the in the backgrounds, like like something you would see like in a film like that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I definitely have seen. Um, I've been to museums. I've gone to art shows. I definitely wouldn't have necessarily thought that far into still life in that way. Like I obviously I've always thought about the fact that like, if you're doing something like that, if you are painting, I don't know, like a bowl of fruit, like you do, you're limited in the time that you have to do it for that reason, because mm -hmm. it's going to die very quickly, depending on what it is or how ripe it is or whatever. So mm -hmm. I, um, I remember seeing the first, cause the first, obviously the first thing I had, like a, my eyes on that you did was the photo for hunger for death. And mm -hmm. I was just like, it was so crazy to think about how captivating it was without even really understanding why at first. Um, and then it's like, you know, like it was just one of those things where um, it took a minute for me to even really process why I liked it so much. Mm -hmm. um, and then that was of course, when I started following you and I started looking at other things that you had um, done and it is. It is. Thank you so much for that, by the way. You're, you're too kind. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I loved it. I, I definitely, um, yeah. When I was thinking about doing artist interviews for this year, I thought about all kinds of different forms of art. Like I didn't want to just do digital artist or a painter. Mm. Or like I wanted to do like kind of these well-rounded. And I'll and this is I'm not like blowing smoke. Like you were actually the first person on my list because I was I was so fascinated by what I saw and it was so different from anything that I saw and it's like right up my alley. So I was like, this is great. I'm gonna message him. But like. I, yeah, I, I exist in that in that space where a lot of people don't care for it, but the people that care for it like it a lot. That's kind or of really dig it. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see it's, it. It's a double-edged sword. I mean, it's good to have people really enthusiastic, but yeah, you have to burn through a lot of people that really hate it to get to that. Audience. Oh, I'm sure. No, I'm sure. And and it's yeah. And I can imagine when you're. When you're doing something that kind of raw, like you, yeah, I can imagine not everybody's going to be susceptible or understand or want to understand or even be willing to look at it outside of it being this disturbing image they don't want to look at. So I get that. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah it's, I, I get, I also understand what is off putting about this for me. Yeah. I don't blame anyone for not wanting to look at some of this stuff. Yeah. And I'm also like, I'm super desensitized. So it's very hard for me to like put myself back in the space of, of right. like, not finding this sort of thing shocking, I guess. Yeah, no, that would make sense. I imagine you would be doing it for, yeah, yeah. Anything longer than like a few photos, you get used to it. Yeah, I can see that. It makes sense. Yeah, I've smelled some things in my life. I'll, I'll... Oh, I didn't even think, that's true. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> that's fair. Um. <laughs> So, like, where, how did you get into doing this type of photography? Like, it was it? Did you go? Did you go? Like, are you classically trained? Are you, you know, self-taught? Like, how did that kind of come about for you? Yeah, it's. I I took a very unusual trajectory to get here. So, okay, um, my my educational background is actually in theoretical physics. By by training, okay. I'm I'm a physicist. I uh, worked in I have a PhD. I worked in academia for years. Wow. Okay. I did a lot of, uh, sort of particle physics, cosmology, uh, a little bit of sort of mathematical physics. Oh, okay. So my, my background is, yeah, it's, it's completely the least artistic <laughs> thing you can imagine. In fact, that my, my tiny brush with physics fame here, if I can throw that in, is the last post that I had in academia, I worked um, in Cambridge at uh, the Department of Applied Math and Theoretical Physics. And I was in the office next to Stephen Hawking during the last, I don't think it was the last year of his life, but it was two, it was very, very much towards the end of his life. So that was kind yeah. of my brush with fame, where fame here is being defined by a, a physicist's standards, I guess. That's really yeah. cool, though. It, yeah, it was, it, it was fun. Um, but so anyway, yeah, I, my, my training is not artistic at all. Okay. I was in physics and... Um, eventually got very sort of disillusioned with the field and I wanted to try something new and I wanted mm. to try something very new. I wanted to sort of shake up my life. And okay. the, the normal thing that people do when they leave the kind of job that I have is that, okay. is that they go and they work for a hedge fund as what's called a quant, which is basically like doing math modeling of the stock market. 
So that is that is sort of the most practical thing that the skill set that I had was would okay. have been applicable to. Yeah. Um, and that would have been certainly a lot more profitable than trying to make, you know, still life was roadkill. And it probably would have been easier. Uh, <laughs> I, well, yeah. To break into also. Because <laughs> yeah. all my friends <laughs> did that. Um, but I, I, I wanted to try something different. And I didn't really love the idea of, you know, spending your days helping very rich people become slightly richer by gambling. That's fair. It just it didn't appeal to me. I don't yeah. hold it against the people who do that. Yeah, my just friends wasn't going to be for you. Yeah, it just wasn't what I wanted to be doing with my time. And yeah. um, so I, I came back to Canada after I left the job at Cambridge, and I just started doing artsy things. I did a little okay. bit of data stuff on the side uh -huh. to um, to pay the rent, and I started doing art things. I got a camera, and I. I, I bought a camera mostly because I wanted to decorate the apartment that I was in. Like my idea was oh. just to make art just for me, just to put okay. it all behind me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I did a bunch of other things. I, I wrote, I uh, had a weird journalistic project that never went anywhere. I wrote okay. a completely unpublishable book of erotica at one point. I, um, I composed music. I did, I was working okay. music for a while. And this, uh, the photography, I didn't really intend it to be my main thing. But yeah. I, I would dump whatever I was doing sort of out into the world. And this was, people sort of reacted to this. And, and it seemed to, it, it was the thing that seemed to get the most enthusiasm from people. Mm. And so I eventually yeah. started pushing down that further and further. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it just kind of developed on its own. I... I, I was doing something like still life pretty early into this. They were quite crude and rudimentary and I didn't really have a deep understanding of the art history and the philosophy okay. of the images. So they were yeah. not, I think they were not as rich or as interesting as, as I hope what I'm doing now is. Okay. It just kind of developed organically. I, I tried a lot of things. I threw a lot of, shit at the wall and this was mm -hmm. the shit that seemed to stick yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy you've done a lot that's kind of crazy to think about it was a weird few years i <laughs> most of that was not done in a very serious way so okay. like, i did some music but it you know i probably reached a half dozen listeners or something. okay huh just trying to figure out i guess like find what you wanted what it was you wanted to end up doing yeah, I, I tried a lot of things. I I got lucky and I was also, there was a lot of privilege that I was living in, a, in an expensive place and I was okay. able to do a bit of like data science stuff on the side to sort of oh, okay. keep myself afloat. But, uh, huh. Yeah, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. So when you first started doing photos, did it start out this way or was it a lot more... I don't want to say simpler because that's not really what I mean, but just, um, I guess just different, like a different it, it feeling was, to it. Yeah, they were fairly, I mean, the idea of these sort of creepy still life was with me fairly early. Oh, okay. 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 I don't know. It just, I, I sort of got really fascinated by that whole Dutch scene and they, they were very simple at the starting out they weren't these big like laid tables oh yeah like, one or two items just there and i was sort of right. how to use the lights and that sort yeah. of thing yeah. but yeah it it i don't know it, it sort of formed fairly quickly i had a bunch of other ideas for more sort of explicitly political projects that i wanted to do that none of them really worked out for a bunch of reasons and then okay. this thing just kind of i don't know i got i got i went down the rabbit hole and then it <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's still life is one of these things where you know even when you look at these old paintings it's it's the same items just reorganized and you can just keep iterating sure. on it over and over and this this idea of you know putting putting reminders of mortality next to different items to sort of create meaning through the juxtaposition you you can just keep sort of iterating on that and playing yeah. with it in different ways and I got really fascinated by that. You know, you'll see a lot of these old paintings where it's like coins and money 
next to a human skull and an extinguished candle. Sure. And so there's there's sort of this implication like what what good is the pursuit of wealth when when the same fate awaits? This is the end. Yeah, that's what it looks and, like in the end. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, I I played with that sort of you know doing the coins, but also you can apply this to more contemporary things. You can, I, I did a project with sort of corporate mascots and symbols oh. of nationalism. Okay. And I, did a, I did a thing with NFTs, some sort of popular NFTs. <laughs> okay. You know, what, what contemporary thing could speak to sort of meaninglessness and vanity more than spending six figures on a, a monkey JPEG <laughs> Twitter ball, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> right. <laughs> So I sort of fell down the rabbit hole with this idea that you can really sort of take those basic elements and rearrange them, yeah, and and try to make something that's that's more relevant to people in 2022, hopefully. Yeah, I think you know it's funny you say that. I didn't hadn't really thought about that part either, but I noticed like when I look at like when I go when I've gone to your website and I've looked at the photos and stuff that you have up. I um I will link all of Neil's information below. By the way, um. So I, you're right though, like taking even similar, even similar concepts as far as like, um, like how you've done the, um, I'm trying to think of a specific example, but it's like, there's different, it's like, it's the same, um, what am I thinking? Like instead of flowers, I don't know exactly what it is that you used. It's not flowers though. It looks like some kind of. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the chicken feet and tricky. chicken feet. That's it. So yeah. there's a couple like so when looking at those as this representation of like of what they of what they almost look like, you know, from mm -hmm. like a distance yeah. and then seeing them used in different ways, it just it's moving it or putting it next to something else really does change like the overall way that you're looking at it. And I guess I hadn't really thought about that until you said that. But but yeah, no, to your point, like that's a really that's a really interesting thing that keeps like because everything I feel like when you look at all of them as you're scrolling or you know going through the sections it's like it's all engaging like you you find yourself like looking at all of it and paying attention and it invokes like each one feels different even if it's got similar elements so that's that's true that definitely is that's an effective thing for sure thank you <laughs> yeah yeah actually that by the way that thing with the flowers with the chicken feet yeah. that that also as a callback to the earlier point the, uh, we were talking about this, this biblical idea is this all flesh is grass that that was essentially the, the basis for that series. The idea was, OK, there's this there's this metaphorical analogy between flowers and flesh. And that the, the point of that series was to, to, like, make that really literal to build flowers out of flesh. To, right. Yeah. So that so, again, it's, it's an example of I think it's it would have been understandable to. Mm -hmm an audience in the 17th century on some level hmm. but it's it's kind of filtered and twisted around in a way that i i enjoy anyway <laughs> yeah no i think i think that's probably my favorite those are probably my favorites i think um it's very it's and i I really do like the fact that it does take you a second like it took me a second to realize what it was at first but I, I think I mean that in like a good way, like yeah, you, yeah. because you it's like it's almost like finding this little moment of comfort. And then you're like, oh, shit, never mind. <laughs> but I mean that as a horror fan, that's like a big compliment. Like I love that's Thank like, you. you know, when it's like watching something with a concept that you've seen a hundred times and then the yeah. filmmakers rip the rug out and you're like thrown in the air and you had no idea. It's kind of the same feeling just in, you know, photograph instead of film. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I, I actually did a series where I uh, I made a point. I, I just used like dry flowers and pewter uh, pewter uh, cups and okay, yeah, and, uh, containers and things. Uh, and I explicit I, I made a point to do a whole series where I left out the really creepy dead things and the bones, yeah. uh, just because I wanted to have something that I could show for somebody where it was <laughs> here. I'm making the point, but it's not quite so like in your face. Yeah, it's not quite so in your face. It's not quite so. It's not quite so creepy. Uh, I, I get a lot of people when I do uh, galleries and shows. I get a lot of people come by the table and they're like, "This is beautiful. I really like this, but I could not have this hanging on my wall." <laughs> <laughs> and I get it, right? Like, not everybody wants to have like a twenty by thirty picture of of a mummified raccoon hanging <laughs> above the mantle I, I mean that's what i have on my mantle but <laughs> that's fair yeah 
I think like, so whenever you're getting ready to do these setups, like how, how do you, where do you get your, like your materials? Like I'm assuming you have multiple ways, but like, what does that look like as far as being able to obtain these, like not target priced items, you know? (laughs) So yeah, a a lot of it is, uh, is just scavenge from the woods. Oh, okay. Okay. Go for a lot of walks to bring a garbage bag. And if I find Ah. some bones or something, you know, some pretty dead thing, a lot of that gets brought home with me. I have a little freezer um, behind this wall with the, with all that stuff. So a lot of it is just uh, scavenged. I, I sort of say roadkill in a joking way, but that more or less is what most of it is. It's yeah. things that I just find out in the woods. Um, yeah. I'm also sort of plugged into a community of the what they call vulture culture. Um, yeah. There's There's a community of people that are sort of into this stuff who do like make jewelry out of bones or teeth. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I have a bunch of friends who do are involved in this kind of activity in a similar yeah. way. And um, often if they find things that are not useful for them, but oh, useful right. for me, I, so I sometimes get things donated to me. I sometimes trade yeah. art for, you know, somebody found a pretty skeleton somewhere in the woods and I'll, I'll make a picture with it and we can trade off that way. Yeah. It, it's also useful because I have a friend who does uh, jewelry with scavenged animal bones. But oh. you know, for her, she needs stuff that's in good shape. She needs oh, sure. She needs things intact. For me, if it's stained, if it's rotting, if it's broken. It's even better. <laughs> more, more texture. More, you know, that. that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of where a lot of it's coming from. Um, there's a bit that's sort of byproduct from the butcher shop you know there's there are a lot okay i that one i had kind of was thinking might have been a resource but i wasn't sure yeah yeah so like the pig's heads and this sort of thing yeah that's kind of yeah this is a byproduct of the pork industry essentially um yeah so that that's a part of it um i have some human teeth i got a lot of questions i did a series of like real close-ups with human teeth and i had a lot of people very i was surprised that that was the thing where people got sort of antsy and sort of asking about the, the ethics and the legality and like, <gasps> just, just to be totally clear it is it is completely legal and it's ethical i basically I hang out at the nightclub with chloroform and you knock the person out you yank them up with me um and i always slip like a 20 in the wallet when I'm doing it, so like just to cover it for their troubles yeah no, I mean, so, so that is obviously completely ethical right? <laughs> no i i don't know I never understood why people freaked out about that. They, they come from the dentist, right? The, the, their extractions. You can, yeah, right. They're, uh, the, the, just before I get canceled or whatever, the, um, <laughs> the other thing about abducting people and stealing their teeth was a joke. They, they come from kidding. the dentist's office. It's, it's perfectly legal to get teeth from the dentist. Um, and in fact, you can, you can kind of infer this as you look at the pictures because the teeth are all fucked up. They're all oh. they're all cracked and they have a lot of damage to Yeah, them. I think yeah. Because nobody gets a healthy tooth pulled, right? Yeah, it's not gonna look perfect. That makes yeah. sense. Huh. Dentist. I didn't even think about the teeth when I asked that either. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. I, I posted those images they're they're fairly old pictures and I was really yeah. surprised I, I posted them and I didn't even think to sort of justify where the teeth were coming from. And there were just like a lot of people reacting like, oh my God, how are you getting teeth? Are you taking people's teeth? And just like, oh my good God, like, <laughs> no, I am much too pretty to be like yanking people's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Isn't it crazy to think though? I mean, I like, I get it. Like not everybody's going to get what you're doing or like it or understand it or whatever. But at the same time, you're just kind of like, come on. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing? Like, you know, and then I was, and it makes it kind of funny because you're like, I have a fridge behind me that I put stuff in. Yeah. I mean, I've got a roadkill fridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. I yeah. I can point to the prop acquisition. I guess that's probably worth mentioning is yeah. we were talking about this reorganizing and reiterating the same things. There's mm. not really that many pieces in the collection. Like if you go through those pictures, you will see, the same handful of items just yeah. getting 
you know, rearranged and reorganized over and over and over again. So that right. it's not that I need to be spending thousands of hours out in the woods to find this stuff. Oh, that's fair. Purchasing loads of, of whatever. It's there, I have a pretty small amount of, of okay. props here. And they're just, it looks like more because they're just getting moved around. Sure. I think and one I of my favorite... freeze and thaw it out. Like the, the, I've, I've oh. been using some of the same props now for four years. Huh. I think like um, one of my favorite things that I've seen you post so far on Twitter was like you posted a picture of flowers, like like new flowers. And you said something about like, now I just have to wait for them to get pretty or something yeah. like that. Like you posted like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I always uh, I, I always save the flowers. You got to keep them keep them in the uh, the laundry room for a good like six months to get them all nice and sort of. <laughs> yeah. Do you hang them upside down? I don't. I've tried oh. this. Um, you know, they they keep their form obviously when you hang them upside down. Yeah. But uh, I sort of like this the way they kind of droop down and Wilt. you get this yeah, really yeah, yeah. sad look as they bend over. Yeah. So I, I ended up sort of opting for the drying method that is just the, the least effort possible. I just stick it in a mason jar and put it on the shelf. and wait to It kind of goes with your whole theme, though. I mean, it's natural. That's what happens as they die. So that's yeah, what they look yeah. like. So that works. I was just curious because I, I noticed that they do have like a, a down shape in the ones that I've seen. Yeah, so yeah. that makes sense. But I didn't know if you like because I know when you hang them to dry, I've saved a lot of flowers, I guess, in my day. But when you <laughs> when they start to do that, if you flip them up, they're still soft. So they still will do that a little bit if you hung them up and they haven't been upside down for like a really long time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So like when you're doing these rearrangements, like, do you have anything that like strikes you as an inspiration or do you just kind of go in, like, I'm going to do something different. And then you just play around until you figure out what you want it to look like. It, yeah. So it used to be that when I got started with this, I would just mm -hmm. kind of stick things and, and let it come to me. On okay. the table. Uh, at yeah. this stage, they are quite meticulously planned. Oh, and okay. they, I do these in sort of mini series. I, I have a bunch of things sort of themed around a similar idea, and I'll yeah. do a series of them and typically write a little essay or a story or something to go along yeah. with it. Uh, so at this stage, oh, yeah. I typically have like the props are planned out well in advance, the, yeah. the, the elements are planned out. Often, even, I have a sort of vague sketch for the how i'm going to arrange things okay so at this stage it, it is really it, there's not much that's spontaneous about it okay uh it's probably an obvious one that i didn't even think about but how long have you been doing these uh, oh god that's a good question um because you've said at this stage multiple times, and I'm like, well, I mean, you said it's been four years for that one photo that you talked about. So I was like, how long? And I just thought about that. I was like, that's such a duh question. I don't want to think about that. Yeah, maybe about six years, I think, now. I've been oh, okay. playing around with versions of this. I have, um, yeah. I've, I've sort of put, had my uh, different balls in the air. So still life is kind of the main thing, but I've done enough of this now that those still lifes are like, broken into subcategories, you know, the, the fleshy flowers. Yes. The, more yeah. riffing, this vanitas, more riffing on this sort of moralizing aspect of these old Dutch paintings. Mm -hmm. and, but I also do uh, a lot of sort of close-up, more abstract work. So I do a lot of um, very close-up imagery of like bone sort of. Yeah. It, everything when you get really close ends up looking like a landscape. So I think of these as sort of bone landscapes or sort of abstract fleshy landscapes yeah that's not a yeah yeah i think like so one of the other things i was going to ask was where you started and kind of how it changed but i feel like we kind of talked about that a little bit mostly because yeah. you talked about like where you started um well you know coming from having this other you know going to school and having a phd and going to, into this field and then coming into this this world of art as it were um, what advice would you give somebody like trying to come into the world? Like, and, and that's whether they know what they want to do or not, but just maybe something that if somebody had said it to you might would have been helpful. Um, if somebody had said it to me, I, I write about what you do, I think would be one tip that I would give, like, like spend a lot of time writing and yeah. about what you're producing. Okay. Uh, because you know the 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 story that goes along with an image 
does as much work in selling the image, I think, as the thing itself does. Oh, okay. And I don't know if I appreciated when I was starting out how important that was. Oh. And in fact, when I first started out, I had this idea, oh, the art speaks for itself. And I would just, I just had a website that was just images and I didn't want to explain my motivations. And I, I felt like it sort of detracts from the work to, to, to explain what you're doing and why you're doing it. And I have basically come completely 180 on this. Yeah. I'm now of the opinion that like, I, I write these little essays and they go out in a, a sort of semi-regular mailing uh, on my mailing list. And yeah. I will spell out every single, you know, why did I put the dice over here in that arrangement? Like, why is this cup yeah. over there? Like, I will happily explain every little <laughs> yeah. to anyone who will listen. Um, I completely like 180 from this idea of just you know, let the art speak for itself. Now I, I lean very hard into um, letting me speak for the art, I guess. Yeah, well, and I think if you have people that are like, um, it's kind of, you know, art is, is subjective. You know, you look at, mm. two people can look at something and walk away with totally different things. It's like, and that's fine if that's what you're hoping to get out of it. But I, mm. but I can see it being one of those things where um, like, if you were looking at something, you ought, like some, some people would probably need an explanation to find it um you know enticing enough to continue to look at or to look at more of it to kind of be like because i think the perspective and the way that you explain it um even in just the little bit that you've said i feel like is it already makes it to me more intriguing like understanding what message you're trying to convey and why you do it this way i think is um yeah i think that's i, I can see that being helpful to people who maybe maybe wouldn't continue to look because they didn't understand or they couldn't come up with their own thoughts or weren't able to see past it being so unique. So that's an interesting I mean, one. For me, oh. at least, I, this advice may not work for- you Oh, know, sure, no, sure, yeah. I think also that this, I think it's also this idea is, is somewhat consistent with the history of still life again. Like the okay. audiences at the time would have, there, there's almost like a, a dictionary to reading those old Dutch books. Oh. Yeah. Audiences at the time would have known how to sort of decode and interpret these. So th there's a sense in which it is it is a very unsubtle genre. It is, yeah. you know, the, you you put a pile of coins next to a human skull. That's not that's not a subtle uh, critique of sure. community. That's fairly heavy-handed. So I, yeah. I sort of lean into that. Also, like the the nature of the genre is is to kind of slap you in the face with with what you're trying to do. So yeah. I I think I I'm not sure, but I, I feel like I'm sort of following in the tradition. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm inclined to agree. It's very and, and I think it's funny too because like I even going through the different albums that you have on your website, like there are still like you think it's again, it's that comfort and that removal of comfort because I feel like I'm getting an idea of what you do. Mm -hmm. And there's a cert I don't remember what the album is called, but it's the one with people. Like when I got to that one, I was like, this is not what I was expecting to see. It was completely different. And it was, but, <laughs> but I say that to say that like, it's, it's, you know, I don't know. It, the in your face is uh, to me, I think that's part of the appeal. I like weird. Like I just, yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of, it's, I'm drawn to it. So I think yeah. it's, it's easier for me, but it's, it's one of those things that like, that's one of the things I like about it is it is so, it makes you go, what? Or like, you just said, you know, like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I haven't worked with a lot of models, but a handful of models I've worked with have been um, real troopers. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Were they people, are the people that you know, like you knew beforehand? Like how did that even, how did you have those conversations? Because uh, I, I did work with a few people that I met on sort of model, like modeling sites. Oh, okay. Um, it was hard to find candidates in that way for yeah. kind of obvious reasons. Sure. The images, a lot of those images aren't on the site anymore, but uh, most oh. of what remains is there was a woman who I worked with who I've met on, um, we connect, she's local, she's a model. Oh, okay. Here and we had sort of connected on one of these sites. And um, one of the other model who's in several images on the website is, is an old friend of mine and they were, um, yeah. they were willing to, do a lot of interesting things. So <laughs> we had some fun and made some weird art. 
Yeah, I think if I was going to be willing to do something like that for somebody, it would have to be somebody that I knew. I don't think I could do it for somebody I didn't know. Yeah, I, the, the, there's an issue of establishing trust to do this. Yes, thing. that's more. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's that one. That one threw me off when I, like I said, I thought I knew what I was going to continue to see, and then it was like, mm -mm. <laughs> no. But yeah. I, I think it's good. Warning for those playing along at home. Some of some of that is NSFW, and you're gonna you 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 may see some naked people. Yes, know. yeah, yeah. So just don't you know scream or show it to your boss at work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So okay, you you and at this point, like I know you said that you got kind of a reaction, and that was kind of why you dived more into the photography piece of it, and like doing it more um what what is like if you had to say just from people and this can be from people who love it get it or people who don't love it but what do you think like would be something you hope people get out of it when they're looking at things yeah. that you do so i i'm gonna i'm gonna get pretentious here for <laughs> <laughs> okay this is this is on you if you didn't want someone getting pretentious about roadkill then you, you shouldn't have invited me on <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. But, yeah. So there's this old story um, that like a, the Roman general coming back from being victorious in battle would be, you know, riding on the chariot on his victory laps around town. And as the story goes, they would have a slave sort of stand behind him and whisper in his ear, uh, you're going to die. Remember that you're going to die. Yeah. And the, the idea is, you know, part of it is sort of a call to humility, but it, it's, it's also a part of sort of a longer philosophical tradition of the idea that there's just some value in sort of reflecting on mortality. And, and I, think there's, I think there's something to that because there's a sense in which, you know, the, the fact that life is finite is kind of what gives it meaning, right? The fact that you only have a certain amount of time is the reason that it matters what you do with yeah. your team because now you have to choose what what am i going to choose to value is it what's worth what, it yeah what, what's worthwhile to me how do i build meaning yeah myself in this short time that i have yeah um, and there's a whole tradition of art called memento mori art that is yes. just meant to operate in the same way as that slave standing behind the general just yeah just sitting there on your wall telling you you're gonna die you're gonna die think about you know Think about your books and your wisdom and your learning. Does that matter? Think about your money. Think about your your pursuit of wealth. Does that matter? Yeah. And it's not to say yeah. that those things don't matter. It's it's to invite the question. I think. So I what I'm doing is you know this this is a very old tradition in art and I'm I'm sort of doing my own uh, iteration of that. So like mm -hmm. a part of what I would like people to get out of it is is just that is is like the Roman slave is this just to, to invite you to think about a... your mortality. Um, so th I mean, that's kind of why I do this. That's the, the big motivation for me. Yeah. Um, it, there's, there's a secondary part of it that's also mm -hmm. a little bit like, I think there's an aspect of this that's like looking for beauty in unlikely places. Like I yeah. think a lot of these subjects that I work with are not conventionally beautiful things. You know, the, sure. Mummified raccoon head that I found mm -hmm. in the parking lot somewhere sure. here. But I think if you really get down to it and look at these things, that there is a kind of beauty to them. And I think I think yeah. there's some value in sort of reflecting on the way in which anything, almost anything, can be really pretty if you put you put nice light on it and put it in a nice setting, right? So yeah, I guess that's this is kind of my messaging, I guess. Yeah. And I think too, like, I don't know if this is a stretch or just my own like perception of it, but I think it's kind of interesting to think about what that can invoke when not using human remains too, because, you know, there are plenty of times where humanity is like, we are the superior and, you know, I don't know, fuck all the animals, like whatever, mm. however we feel about those mm. kinds of things. But thinking about looking at a, a raccoon in that situation or that mouse on you know uh, laying across the scene like looking at something that is not at all what we are and still being able to go that's me <laughs> like i know that's like a bit of a stretch but it's one of those things where you think about like the un like this universal concept of we are all on you know borrowed time as far as 
eventually this is going to be what happens to us too. It's just going to look a slight, like slightly different. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that's a stretch at all. I, that's, yeah. that's essentially what I'm going after. And, and in fact, again, to quote scripture, I, <laughs> it, speaking of pretentious, I'm going to quote some more scripture here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is also in, this is in Ecclesiastes, which would have been a, a major source of inspiration for a lot of painters. Um, okay. And I'm going to butcher the line, but there's something, um, there, there's no man and animal have the same breath as one dies, so dies the other. There's yeah. Between us, this yeah, this is really said, yeah. this is in the the sort of underpinnings of of the history of this work. Yeah, I like that part of it actually a lot because it is it's interesting what looking at something that really doesn't look anything like you and still just being able to relate to it yeah. and like because it's like it's you know I don't know looks like a little what do they say in the Lion King he's like we become the grass like everything <laughs> is like. <laughs> circle of life. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, that is... That's the Disney version. The Lion King and Ecclesia, it's basically the same. No, but it is the same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, just different, a little different. Every time I quote the Bible, I get people yelling at me. <laughs> Why? Because of the photographs or just because people just... No, because people don't like when you... I. I, a lot of people in my uh, orbit are not religious. Or, oh. And and I'm not religious either. Uh, no, I'm not either. I, but I engage with it in a serious way because it's, it's I think, a part of the genre. I think it's a, it's a part of the sure. paintings. But, yeah, every time I, when I get too scriptural and start to sound like I'm uh, preaching at people, then I typically get a little. Oh, yeah. People get a little. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess people get a little sensitive about that. Also, but and yeah. I get look, I'm I'm not, yeah, I'm very not religious, and I'm I'm very not into the the institutions as they are today. Yeah, so I get why people are a little agitated about those things. Yeah, and I I think because I've been the way I am about religion for so long, I think I kind of look at it as just it would be it would be no different than quoting like, I don't know, like a Greek mythos or something, you know, or telling a story about you know, comparing something of that nature to whatever it is that you're discussing in that time or in that moment. But I think it's, um, I think it's kind of like, that's how I look at it, I guess. Yeah. Um, unless it is someone actually preaching, yeah. but, but in this instance, like that's kind of how it's like, that's kind of how it's being perceived, at least to me. Just Yeah. I, that's definitely, that is how I, I, I read the Bible in connection to this work and I read it yeah. very much like as a text, like, not I, as yes. something that came down from God or whatever, but just sure. as a text with yeah. some, that can be interpreted as a text and has and has some terrible shit in there. But it does also have a few, like Ecclesiastes genuinely is an interesting book. And there yeah. are some interesting ideas in there. And they're mixed in with a lot of terrible, terrible shit also. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like any book, we can read the parts that we find value in, you know? Yeah. And then use the parts that you like when you're trying to make, you know, yeah. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. yeah. No, that stuff doesn't bother me. I'm comfortable in those conversations, but I think, and I, but I think using those examples specifically in this conversation does help kind of drive the point of what you're trying to make, which is that makes it effective, not argumentative, mm -hmm. you know? So, gosh, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to share? I feel like I've learned so much in the last like 50 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad I'm, that I seem to be getting at least as someone who is still relatively new to what you do. And mm -hmm. you're the only person that I've followed or seen that does anything like that. So my exposure to it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say is very new. I'm glad that I'm understanding it the way I, that I think I'm supposed to be, which is kind of reassuring. Yeah, no, I, I think you are. And I yeah. also it's, you know, I, I am quite heavy handed about explaining everything, but like, yeah. Also, it's like any art, like you look at it and if you get something out of it, then that's great. I mean, it, yeah. people tend to, with visual art especially, and I, I feel like we don't do this as much with music and, and movies and books, but people yeah. tend to have this idea that there's just like, there's a correct way to be into it and there's a hierarchy. And yeah, yeah. I just, if you see something you like, put it on the wall or enjoy yeah. it. There, yeah. There's no, 
what's in a museum is not better than what you're gonna find at your local maker's fair. It's yeah. it's it's good insofar as it sits on your wall and it brings you pleasure. And that's all that that's if it's you like the thing that you're you. seeing, then you're doing it well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that can fall under that whole concept of gatekeeping too. This concept yeah. that like if you don't like you can't like, you know, you can't be a horror fan if you don't like this franchise. You can't be a horror fan if you've never seen this movie. It's the same thing with with really any media. Like it doesn't matter what it is. It's people yeah. trying to put this definitive like this is what it is and this is all it can be. And this is the only way you're allowed to look at it. Yes. It's like, <laughs> yes, well, that doesn't work. So, <laughs> no, I've, I've definitely seen some gatekeeping. I, uh, yeah. I, I sort of came out of like the, the 90s kind of punk and metal yeah. scene. So that. Oh, yeah. that if you want to see gatekeeping, those people will. Uh, those people will <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a frustrating one. I feel like I've I've seen that quite a bit. I have seen that quite a bit. Not so much with the indie writing community we were talking about earlier, yeah. but just in the horror fan world, it does seem to be kind of a common thing where they just have everybody has like you know, if I don't like something, and it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter if it's music, a movie, a book, a photograph, like mm. I can still talk about it and be respectful and listen to another perspective. And sometimes, well, a lot of times I've done that and it's given me a new perspective and appreciation for something that I really didn't care for before. Mm. So I think that's a better way of going through life <laughs> to just be well, like, you know. There's amazing, there are people producing amazing art of every yeah. genre, of every medium, yeah. of every like, Anything you can, there, there are brilliant horror novels, there are brilliant literary fiction novels, yeah. there's brilliant metal, there's brilliant house mm -hmm. music, there's, there, in every little space there is someone doing something yeah. that I think has value. Not necessarily everyone in every little space, but I somewhere, yeah. there, there is something of value to be found, I think, in almost every. Yeah, no, I like that, I agree. So are you, are you, do you consider yourself like a horror fan? Do you watch a lot of movies, read a lot of books? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'm yeah. Um, definitely, I, uh, I'm a little behind on my horror filmdom because uh, I have a young kid and uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to find time to sit through a, a full movie uh, uninterrupted, but yeah, I'm definitely a horror fan. Yeah. So I, not to be like too ghost face, but what uh what is your favorite like if you had to pick like a favorite horror scary whatever what would you pick I, you know there's there's a part of me that wants to to try and pick something really obscure and, and, and <laughs> chad chad Lesky, um he's a horror author i'm not sure if you know who he is or not but he said the same thing when he was picking his movies he was like there was a part of me that was like i don't want to do like i don't want to pick something just to sound edgy but <laughs> <laughs> oh, somebody's already got, somebody's already beaten me to the joke. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what I, I'll I'll say also in maybe more relevant to, in connection with the work. What what I'll pick I think is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. And you know this is kind of an entry level like horror film. This is ever you know this is going to be yeah. on this top ten list. Yeah, but yeah. Texas Chainsaw I think is really it, it's a really fascinating film because it, it's. It's very subversive and it's very political. Like as I read the piece, it is it is very heavy-handed, like vegetarian propaganda. And I don't mean the word propaganda in a bad way here. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It it has a very clear and unsubtle messaging to it, mm -hmm. but somehow it it manages to work so well as a horror film that like an awful lot of people watch the movie and don't come don't don't see the politics somehow. Yeah. And I think it's kind of fascinating how it's able to take this really sort of pushy moralizing stand and package it up in something that just really works as a horror film and, and is very popular and is very widely consumed. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a really fascinating accomplishment and it is, it is a great piece of filmmaking when you, if you, just sit down and study it. It's it's a really well made movie. Yeah, I um I like the I like the original as well. I the only other one that they've done that I thought was okay or good or whatever lower level of awesome would be um the two thousand and three one, the one with Jessica Biel and um. Oh yeah, it's been a while since I saw. It. I don't remember much about that one. 
I forgot the other guy's name, Eric something maybe. Anyway, but it's not important. But anyway, yeah, that one was, um, that was, I because I saw um, Next Generation and I saw New Beginnings or whatever that other one was, yeah, that newer, really that last newer one. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the new one comes out tomorrow on Netflix. Oh, does it? Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. I'll yeah. My, uh, you, you know, I'm actually speaking of the sequels that, the original is kind of is a genuine, I think, art piece. Yeah. Um, the the sequel, I, I'm one of like three people in the world who actually kind of like the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a very different kind of a movie, and it's it's deeply that's fair in places. Like it, it is very annoying at mm -hmm. times, but there's yes. something just about like it's so absurd and it it, it <laughs> moves so far into what it's trying to do. Yeah. I, I can respect anything where people are just like, they've taken an idea and driven it to its logical extreme. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, I can see that. I have, so I do every other Saturday on the podcast and just the podcast, not YouTube. Um, I do a horror bestie breakdown with my friend Tasha and we take stuff that we've just recently watched. Um, so far, it's been mostly new stuff. But we're actually going to do a Texas Chainsaw episode. So not yes. next Saturday, but the Saturday after that. Um, and somebody that I've known since high school is actually going to come on and talk about it because he knows like a shit ton of stuff about like, um, you know, what's the serial killer? Ed, Ed, Ed Gaines. Ed Gaines yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, so, and, and, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about that. And I remember being in high school, he, uh, he wrote an article for our school paper. I don't know what was going on in my high school. Um, he wrote an article for our <laughs> high school paper, but you know, most high school papers, it's like, this is what's for lunch this week. Or I don't know, whatever they do in that stuff. But, and, um, he wrote an article about the, um, about the remake. Cause that was in 2000 and yeah, 2003. And, um, and the, and the, and the truth behind some of those, you know, those, those elements in the movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I, I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, do you want to talk about this? Cause he just knows so much. So it'll be interesting to see the new one. I, I'm, mm. I'm very interested to see it and give it a shot. It's got a lot of hate already, but I think that's, that's okay. just, <laughs> I think that's just the, the game with making yeah. new ones, continuations, remakes, reboots, whatever. Um, a lot of people, when you're talking about classics, get very mm. on edge. So, yeah. 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 The, I guess the other the other film I'll mention I, on my list, <laughs> I guess, to, I don't know if this is much more obscure than Texas Chainsaw, but the, the other one that definitely ranks up there for me is um, The Beyond, uh, Fulci's The Beyond. It's kind of a... I don't think I know that one. It's kind of a Southern Gothic cosmic horror kind of thing. Hmm. And it, it sort of comes out of that kind of surreal very visual based like italian tradition that fulci and argento yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we're sort of doing mm. um so it, it's it's kind of lovecraftian southern gothic yeah it, it's the kind of thing it's it's very aesthetic and very visual heavy and i think very beautiful but also um like a lot of those movies you don't you don't want to linger too much on the sort of the logic of the plot <laughs> sure, sure. You want to let it sort of wash over you <laughs> yeah just just enjoy just sit still and enjoy yeah. whatever happens <laughs> i have a soft spot for that kind of thing in literature yeah. and in film that sort of more abstract just kind of let it happen yeah. sort of feeling yeah i'll have to look into that one i haven't seen that i don't know what that one is at least I don't think I do. I feel like I would remember if I did. Um, it's yeah, it's an interesting movie. It's it's. I don't know if everyone's gonna love it as much as I do. <laughs> that's, that's that's fair. That's just part. Of, that's just part of being a horror fan in general. Like the I've got people have just kind of gotten used to me complaining about this at this point. But I'm like not a super big A24 film mm -hmm. fan. I don't like any. I've liked one one of their movies. But people swarm to them. Like I commented, I was laughing so hard. I commented on a thing that had shared something about A24. Like all these A24 films ranked from this to this number or whatever. And um, and I commented on it and I was like, am I seriously the only person in the world that like doesn't think they make good movies? And I was dying laughing because there are so many people that commented and they were like, yeah, you're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like their stuff too, so... 
<laughs> yeah, so like it's <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pile on here. No, most most people do. I've I've had I couldn't even tell you when I did my influential horror um series with all these different um mostly authors but other YouTubers and stuff too. Like, I don't know. I think I did 10. Six of the 10 had a damn A24 movie on the list. Yeah. But having said that, I will say that that's, that's one of those things where like talking about things that you don't like and you gain perspective. Like mm -hmm. there was a couple of times where I was like really rethinking a couple of things. And I was kind of like, you know what? I do kind of remember thinking that was kind of neat or looking at something just from a different perspective of being like, that kind of makes it more intriguing. Like, so I'm, I'm cool to talk about it, but generally mm. like when I watched St. Maud, which is, uh, which is an A24 movie, I mm. loved it. And I was completely shook by the fact that I loved it. Cause I've never said that about an A24 mm. movie, but that one was really good. And I'm like, okay, I gotta like open up and just give them some more chances. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, it, it also like, speaks, I think, to the broadness of the oh, genre, right? There's, there's so much yes. that you can do under it. That there are so many different things that you would still call horror, right? That yes, I think there's a lot of space for a lot of different playing around artistically and and yeah. bringing in a lot of different people, right? It, it's a it's a mm -hmm. huge umbrella. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite things about it too. I love, I love how crazy different it is. And I, I didn't, um, you know, my dad's like a huge, um, like sci-fi, like really cheesy sci-fi, like awful stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I grew up with that, which was kind of sort of my introduction to horror was kind of through that, you know, mm -hmm. miniseries month on the sci-fi channel where you watch like, I don't know, the shining or whatever, but, um, it was, um, I've learned, I appreciate the layers to the genre a lot more now than I used to, because it used to be very mainstream horror only. Um, yes. But now I, I mean, I'm willing to give most things a chance. I don't, I, you know, if it's, I, I was in extreme denial about my, my love of gore until, well, really not even that. It was kind of recent because I, um, when I had uh, Steve talks books was on for influential horror. And one of his movies was martyrs, the French movie. Mm. Yes, I, yeah. Have you seen that one? Yeah, that's that's an intense watch. Yeah. It's very intense, but I absolutely loved it. <laughs> like, no, me too. It, yeah, I, it's not something I want to put on very often because it's, it's a heavy, <laughs> yeah. it's a heavy watch. It's but yeah, heavy. that is that is a very yeah. thrilling. That is a very yeah, yeah. Awesome. And I had not seen it before, so I mm -hmm. didn't see it for the first time until December at the end of this past year. Mm -hmm. Um. God, I loved it though. I, I really did. And I'm glad that like, that's kind of the other thing of like meeting people in the horror world or people who like horror is like getting these, um, hearing about these things that I've never heard about, <laughs> whether it's someone's yeah. photography or a book or a film or whatever. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause I feel like I'm like, my brain's opening up <laughs> <laughs> to all these things that I didn't know I would love. And I, yeah. you know, it's good. I'm meeting it up. So mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, this was a fun conversation. I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you again for coming on and talking to me. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. It's, it's great to chat. I thank you so much for having me. I yeah. um, this, this, is, this has been my first podcast. So hopefully you did great. <laughs> no, and you didn't tangent. You, I don't know, like if you felt like you did, but you did it. Not as much as I was expecting. I, I did good too. <laughs> <laughs> well, thumbs up for both of us. We get a pat on the back. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, yeah. When this, um, I'll put all of your information below. Um, is there another? Um, I'm gonna put your website and at least your Twitter. Is there any other place that you'd like me to link as far as where people can find your stuff or you? Or well, yeah, the website I guess would be the main thing. I'm on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram. And Facebook. Okay. You can send the things. I'm on all the stupid social things. I, God, I know. It's just part of the nature I of the beast. I, I hate it, but you have to do it. I know. Right. I know. Um, and then um, if it's okay with you, I am going to try to show a couple of pictures. Um, I, and you can tell me which ones you are okay with me sharing or whatever. But just periodically throughout the conversation when this gets edited so people can kind of see 
Sure. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Whatever you like. That is, you know, safe for YouTube. <laughs> I know, yeah, some, right. some of that stuff, I know you won't be able to get away with. But. Sure. Yeah. And I won't do too much because I honestly want to do enough that it'll engage people and make them want to go look. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Just a tease. You gotta go. Like, I'll do it real quick. Um, okay. Well. Cool. Well. Thanks there again. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Exactly. Blur exactly. out the fun bits. That's right. <laughs> Cool. All right, cool. Well, thanks again. Uh, have a good rest of your night. Is it nine o'clock where you are? Is it late? Yes, it is. Yeah. I can't remember if we're on the same time zone or not. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Well, thanks again. Have a good night. Thank you so much. You too. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my artist conversation with Neil Ock. Um, fascinating guy. Very funny. Love him already. Um, yeah. Make sure you check out his website. Look at his um his photographs and um. I'll try to get the names of all the books that he mentioned that he did covers for as well. If you want to check those out, everything will be in the description below. Um, I have quite a few more artists that I'm going to have on, and this was a lot of fun. I'm glad I decided to do this. Um, hope you guys have a good rest of your week. Enjoy your weekend, and I will see you in the next one.